G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Jesus Christ says, my blood has been poured out for you and it's meaningless and wicked unless what he says is the truth. Hi and welcome to Today with Jeff Vines. Today we'll look at the cross and what the sacrifice to Christ made really means. God's new covenant begins as the last lamb is slaughtered. Either Christianity is whacked out and ludicrous It ultimately needs to be shunned, or it's the only way to God. It's all or nothing. This is Today with Jeff Vines and part two of Come to the Table. Let's look at this just a second. In the original Passover meal, you'd have the presider, the father, and the father would stand up and he would explain the emblems on the table. And this happened for hundreds of years before Jesus. And the first thing you would do is take the unleavened bread. Why is it unleavened? Well, unleavened is bread that has not risen. So basically, the presider would say, this is the, the bread of the affliction of our forefathers. And they were enslaved by the taskmasters of Egypt. So they were always in a hurry, being moved from here to there, from here to there. It was a hectic life, filled with pace, no time to do what you wanted to do. Unleavened bread represents, we don't even have time for it to rise. This is the bread of the affliction of our forefathers. And they were afflicted so that you and I could be rescued. That's how he would start. He would move to the cups of juice or the cups of wine and then ultimately to the lamb. But notice in this passage, in the New Testament, and you can read this in all the gospels, when, when Jesus stands up to celebrate the Passover With the disciples, the first thing you notice, he says, this is the bread of my affliction. He doesn't say this is the affliction of our forefathers. This is my body broken for you. This represents my affliction so that I am the ultimate lamb that's going to die for you. Years ago, we ate this supper with our forefathers to celebrate bondage away from Pharaoh. But tonight, he says to the disciples, I'm going to pour out my blood And I'm going to have my body broken for you. And I'm not merely going to rescue out of bondage from some captive. I'm going to rescue you from the ultimate captive of sin and death. Jesus says, basically, all of life and history has been leading up to this one climactic moment. Everything has been moving toward this celebration with you and what's about to happen to me. Every exile deliverance, every animal sacrifice... Every episode of deliverance has been moving toward this one event. This is the deliverance to end all deliverances. This is the exodus to end all exoduses. You with me? All right, we're building momentum here. Say it with me again. Number one on all campuses, the cross was promised. Number two, the cross is perpetual. The cross is perpetual. Notice what happens in the story. You have four cups in the original Passover meal. Each cup represents one of the four promises that God gave the people of Israel in Exodus chapter six. I will save you. I will redeem you. I will take you out. I will take you to myself as a nation. 
But as you notice, when Jesus celebrates the Lord's Supper, there's only mention of one cup. One cup, the third cup. The cup of redemption. I will redeem you. This is the bread of my affliction, Jesus says. And then he says, this is the blood of the new covenant. Look what he says. He says, then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink from it. Only one cup, all of you, drink it. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for many of the forgiveness of sins. The new covenant, mean the old covenant, you had to keep sacrificing lambs all the time. But the new covenant is one sacrifice of the lamb to take away the sins, past, present, future. No more need for sacrifice. Now, once again, let me walk you through this quickly. Our cultural bias offends us here. I don't like this blood and gut stuff. 1 John 1, 7 says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Revelation 7, 14 says, and he said, these are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They've washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. Blood, blood, and more blood. And it's offensive in the West, isn't it? And you know why it's offensive to us? Because we're weak. We're, we're just weak. This would not have been offensive. It's not offensive today to most cultures, and it, nor has it been in cultures of the past. I want to give you a little example here. I can't do this the way I wanted to because I almost passed out backstage. But if you take a blood, a blood pressure cuff and you put it around your arm, which I did, and you pump this thing to about 200 mm's, okay? The blood is going to leave your arm. It's going to be forced out. And I don't care how brave or strong you are, if you get it up to 200 mm's and you keep it there, and then you try to do a few little tasks, keep it there, and then try to make a fist 10 times, or try to cut some paper, or try to take a hammer, here's the best one, and a nail, and try to hit that nail 10 times with the arm around which the cuff is centered. And about the 10th time, the pain will be excruciating. And for those of you who are still conscious, <laughs> you will know that the pain is excruciating. And the reason it's excruciating is because you force the blood out of the arm. Now think about it. Why is it in pain? Well, you force the blood out of the arm. And when the blood's out of the arm, these metabolites, these, these cool little things that God places in your arm to remove toxins, uh, those things start to build up because the blood is not pumping through to cleanse and purify. So think about how brilliant this is in the mind of God. It's the way the human body works. It's why people have to go for dialysis. Your blood has to go through something because it's not being cleansed by what? Your kidneys. So if you force the blood out, these toxins build up and that's the pain. You're basically being poisoned to death in that one area of your body. Now, when you allow the blood to come back in and you release the cuff, you talk about the wow. The ecstasy is almost worth the pain because the blood comes in and it washes and cleanses everything out and the pain leaves and it feels fantastic. In the mind of God, this is a brilliant metaphor. This is exactly what the blood of Christ does for the spiritual toxins of your life. If you keep the blood of Jesus out, you decay, you die, you disintegrate. But when the blood of Jesus comes in, the sacramental power, this cleansing power of the blood that's been understood by every culture, 
purifies you from all sin and the power of sin over you. Think about it. Most cultures just take a knife and slay what they're going to eat. But you and I, what do we do? We buy our chicken in a nicely packaged uh, package from a grocery store. So any sign of slaughter and blood has been removed. Somehow we live in a dream world to think that didn't happen. But it did. Jesus says in verse 28, this is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. He's saying, I've cleansed you. I've purified the toxins of your sin. I've sent life-flowing blood into your cramped and painful soul. It's a great metaphor. I've not only saved you from sin and death, I've given you a life-flowing source of blood into your life called sanctification. He says it like this in Galatians. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So that this blood comes in. Think about it. It's a beautiful metaphor, but it's not only salvation, it's sanctification. The blood of Christ flows through you so that you see things you can't see before. You do things you've never been able to do. You feel things you've never felt. And finally, look at this. The story just gets better. When Jesus celebrates the Lord's Supper, the Passover, in the upper room with the disciples, you've got the leavened bread. You've got the one cup. Do you notice there's no mention? Where's the lamb? This is Passover, man. If you were disciples, you would have come and said, wait a minute, Passover, where's the, where's the meat? Where's the beef? Where is it? You ne- Look, when you come and you have communion and we celebrate the Lord's Supper at church, it's not very filling, is it? There's a little piece of bread, a little cup of joy, that's it. Because you're supposed to be remembering that Jesus is the lamb. The lamb's not there because he's saying to the disciples, I'm the lamb. I'm the lamb. And my blood is going to be spread across a Roman cross. And you're going to be delivered from the destroyer. John the Baptist got it. That's why he said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He said, I get it. I know who you are. I know who you are. You've appeared all through the Old Testament. And now here you are, the Lamb of God. Our forefathers were not saved by some furry little quadrupeds. (laughs) No matter how cute they are. You're the lamb that takes away the sins of the world. Do you know the Bible says that Abraham understood this before it even happened because he had faith in something that was to come and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. So Abraham and people in the Old Testament were saved not on what had happened, but on their faith and trust that one day God would provide. Somehow Abraham knew God was saying, Abraham, one day I'm going to walk my son up the mountain called Golgotha. And I'm going to lay the wood on him and no one's going to be able to stop the knife. And my son is going to die so that your son can live. And when the ultimate son cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The father sat in silence and he turned his face away from his own son so that he would never have to turn his face away from you. In John 19, 33, we're told that when Jesus was crucified, there were no broken bones. Why? Because it had to be an unblemished lamb. We're told in Matthew 27 that Jesus died at twilight. Why? Because the lamb in the Passover was to be slain at twilight. And just as darkness fell over all of Egypt, passing over the blood of the lamb, darkness fell over all the earth as the blood of the ultimate lamb was spread across the Roman cross. 
And in the Passover, Jesus is communicating to the disciples that this lamb of the Passover is not going to do it. You need something that's more enduring. You need a more radical, substitutionary lamb that lasts once and for all. The Hebrew writer says, in reference to Jesus, in Hebrews 7, 27, unlike the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day. First for his own sins, then for the sins of his people. He sacrificed for their sins once and for all when he offered himself. It's done. The lamb slain before the foundations of the world. Listen to me. Your sins are forgiven. Amen. The destroyer has no power over you. This is Today with Jeff Vines. Pastor Jeff's message is Come to the Table. We're hearing about the sacrifice of Christ, the last lamb to be offered in atonement for sin. Which leads me to ask these two questions before I finish this message. What sin have you committed in your life that you think the blood of Jesus is too weak to forgive? Do you realize the arrogance? You think you have a sin in your life that the power of Jesus' blood is not powerful enough to forgive. You need to repent of that because no matter what you've done and how many times you've done it, the blood of Jesus is more powerful. And the other question is, what sin are you committing right now that you think the blood of Jesus running through your veins is not powerful enough to help you overcome and defeat. That's also arrogance. You can never say, I can't help it. As a Christ follower, the power of the blood of Jesus Christ is in you. He is the Lamb of God that not only takes away the sins of the world, takes away your sin and gives you power over it. Now keep going with me quickly here. Number three, the cross is precise. I'll talk more about that in a second. The cross is precise. Can you say it? What I mean is that it is a specific cure for a specific ailment. It's the only thing that will do. Listen, every other religion tells you that the covenant is based upon your relationship to God. That is, that if you're really committed, that you work really hard, if you pray in this direction, journey to this holy city, shout these mantras, if you give these alms, if you're really good enough, that then the covenant between you and God is stable. It's only Jesus who tells you that the covenant, and in fact, your very salvation, is based on God's relationship to you. It's not on what you do. It's on what God has done. The shedding of blood shows you how much he loves you and gives you the power to defeat sin and death. In Romans 3, 26, Paul said, if you want to know why Jesus had to be crucified, he did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. What's he saying? Christ died and he had to die because one sin is no laughing matter. The justice of God has to be upheld. Sin has to be punished. But instead of punishing you, he took on your punishment so that he becomes just, righteousness is upheld, and the one who justifies, he justifies you. It's not what you did, it's what he did for you. And that's why, listen friends, that's why the substitutionary atonement, the death of Jesus is unique. Christianity. Remember last week we said, Jesus said, follow me, give me everything or give me nothing, but I will not be liked. 
Either Christianity is the superior religion or it is inferior and needs to be cast away. Either he is the only way to God or he is no way at all. Most modern people detest this position, but it's not ours. It comes from the mouth of Christ himself. Think about this. If there is another way for us to be saved, then God is a masochist. Why would he do that to his own son when he didn't need to? And if Jesus is right, then our sins have to be atoned for. Who else died for your sins? Who else came into the world specifically for the purpose to pay the penalty for your sins? If atonement has to happen to meet the requirements of a holy God, as Jesus said, then who else atoned for your sins? Jesus Christ says, my blood has been poured out for you and it's meaningless and wicked unless what he says is the truth. Either Christianity is whacked out and ludicrous and ultimately needs to be shunned or it's the only way to God. It's all or nothing. The cross has been promised. The cross is perpetual. It forgives past, present, future sins. The cross is precise. It's the remedy for our ailment. And finally, the cross is personal. Have you noticed in the Bible, this is the end, stay with me. Have you noticed that I don't believe you find anywhere in scripture where Jesus says, I want you guys to gather together and I want you to meditate on my resurrection. I want you to meditate on all my miracles. I want you to meditate on all my activities and all my righteousness. No, 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 no. What's the one thing he tells you to do? That's right. Come to the table. The one thing he says, when you meet together, do this in remembrance of me. Do what? Go back to the Passover, but not the one in Exodus. The Lord's table, the cup of redemption, the unleavened bread, and the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world. The one thing he says, why? Why? Because it's in this time, folks, that we appropriate the cross. The thing he wants you to remember is the cross. Think about this thing that's shameless, that's horrible, Cursed is he who hangs on a tree. That's the thing he wants you to remember. It's unbelievably believable because now you understand it. But you've got to make it personal, man. It can't be that Jesus died for the world. It's got to be Jesus died for me. And when you understand that, you'll have a desire to come to the table. Why? What does the table do? It appropriates the cross every time you gather around the Lord's table. It's supposed to remind you. Listen, Whatever your problem, the cross is the answer. Okay? Whatever your problem. Uh, you feel insignificant. You feel that there's no meaning to your life. Come to the table. The, but the cross is a shameful thing. Paul said, no, the cross is our glory. Why? Because it shows you how infinitely valuable you are to God that he would give up his own son so he would not lose you. So do you feel inferior? Do you feel like there's no meaning to your life, that you're not significant? Come to the table. And when you come to the table, you will appropriate the cross and those feelings will change. The cross was a source of contention between good and evil. But Paul says the cross is our peace. He has broken down dividing walls between us, male and female, Jew and Greek, so that you and I can obtain ultimately what we are looking for, unity in our diversity, community. People who love us and that we love them and that we have a common bond with. 
when you start to feel alone, come to the table. You will find yourself desiring relationships with people you never thought you'd enter into relationships with. Joy, you have no joy? Come to the table. The Bible says, for the joy set before him, Christ endured the cross. He knew what was on the other side. This is supposed to remind you that this points to a greater experience. That because the destroyer will never have access to you because of the blood of the lamb, that means you will not only live apart from the destroyer, you will live with the giver of all good things. You forget that. Come to the table. Come to the table. Do you remember the story of Jeremiah Denton? Does anybody, this is an older group now. Jeremiah Denton, he was the highest ranked official that was captured by the North Vietnamese. He was tortured like you would not believe because he was high ranking. They would starve him literally. And then right when he thought they were going to feed him, they would slide a plate of human feces under the door trying to break his will. In his book, When Hell Was In Session, this is what he writes. If it was not for God, or if it weren't for the love of Christ, we could never have survived. Every boy I related to and was able to conquer this persecution had one thing in common, faith in God. He later became a senator, Senator Jeremiah Denton. Once a Vietnam POW, and he wrote of the crucifixion of Jesus from Mary's perspective. And here's what he wrote. As Mary looked on to see Christ crucified, her face shows grief, but not despair. Her head, though bowed, had faith to spare. And even now she could suppose his thorns would somehow yield the rose. And then he finished by saying, her life with him was full of signs that God writes straight with crooked lines. Dark clouds can hide the rising sun and all seem lost when all is one. You're depressed. You're frustrated with your life. You're in pain. You're losing someone that you love. You have an illness that's destroying your life. Come to the table. Because when you come to the table, it shows you that God is able to do immeasurably more than you could ever hope for or imagine not only in the worst possible place of your life, but especially in the most trying aspects of life. This is the bread of my affliction, says Jesus Christ. Take it and eat it. Take it, eat it. He was broken so that you would not have to be. You got that? You're never going to be broken because he was broken for you. You're going to be made whole, completely whole. And then he took the cup. Take the juice. This is the blood of the new covenant. And drink it. He said, drink all of it indeed. For this is the blood of the new covenant. You don't need any more sacrifices. Because there was a sacrifice of the lamb once and for all. Once and for all. Father, I thank you for the blood of the lamb who takes away the sins of the world. I thank you that I'm forgiven my brothers and sisters and all, I can't, they're forgiven. Not because of some lamb, but because of the lamb. And we can be sure that we will never be broken. That we will always be healed. In the kingdom that is to come. And we will celebrate for eternity. 
that we have been rescued from the ultimate bondage and oppression of sin and death. And that there will be no more crying, no more pain, no more mourning, no more suffering. You will be our God. We will be your people. And the love that we feel from you will overshadow anything that we might have experienced in the here and now. Thank you for the Passover, the ultimate Passover, for he will pass over us. In Christ's name. for joining us on today with Jeff Vines. That was Come to the Table, a fascinating exploration of the meaning of Christ's sacrifice on the cross and an encouragement that the Father's gift means there is nothing now that can keep us from Him. Today with Jeff Vines, just another way vision is connecting faith to your life. taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.